Hey mamas, while I have your attention for just a few more seconds, I couldn't wait to get on here and share with you all about this app that I'm recording all of my podcasts for you through. It's called Anchor, and it is truly the easiest way to make a podcast. Don't believe me? Let me break it down and explain to you. First and foremost, it's free. That's right, it does not cost you one cent. And even better, there's actually creation tools inside the app that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's really that simple. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You also can make money from your podcast, hello, with no minimum listenership. So, As in the words of Jerry Maguire, we can all say, show me the money, baby. Basically, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So moms, as you know, I support every mama having a voice. Your voice needs to be heard. So go ahead, go download the free Anchor app today and get your voice heard. Share what you're passionate about. Go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's Anchor. .fm to get started and I look forward to listening to you very soon. Hey mamas, welcome to another episode of Moms Matter where every mom has a voice and she is heard loud and clear here on this podcast. I started this podcast because I recently became a mom this year and I wanted moms to have a voice and to be able to see that we can agree to disagree and we can come together and support one another and rise up stronger um, than ever before. And with all of that in mind, today I have a mom on the podcast that I've actually known since we were both little girls ourselves. I believe one of my first memories with her is when my parents actually babysat her um, one time and brought her over and she's a few years younger than me so I loved having like a little sister in the house. Um, But and then this year what's great is we also actually both became new moms ourselves and both of little boys and before I steal too much of her thunder I want to give her a chance to go ahead and tell you all about uh, her life and her life as a new mom so without further ado I have Miss Kristen Clement here with me and Kristen, I would love for you to go ahead and tell us uh, first and foremost just a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you'd love to do, and of course, we want to hear all about that sweet little boy. Yes, hello, this is Kristen from Florida, who is crazy. Oh my gosh, but we're loving the weather right now. It's been beautiful. It's been beautiful fall weather right now, which is great. Um, Caspian might join us in on this podcast here today he's being quite loud this morning (laughs) more the merrier more the merrier but i love being a mom that's my favorite thing in the whole world right now nothing is better than being a mom um and tell us about um so you are a mom of a new little boy and um you you did share with us his name is caspian and maybe some other moms were like me when you first told me that name uh where where did you come up with the idea for caspian so a lot of people think it's from uh the narnia series (laughs) yeah they think it's they think it's prince caspian um it's kind of funny because when he was in the hospital which we'll get off to that um 
he got the nickname Prince Caspian, but it actually came from the sea, um, the Caspian Sea. We were doing some research and it's a very rare little thing that people don't know about. And it was unique and it was different and you don't hear it very often. So we wanted something different. We didn't want a common name. That's a common that. one. I can I can so so get that and it'll I think forever uh, carry on through his life and really just uh, embrace it's it's amazing how I feel some names just really the kids own it and I feel like he has yes. totally owned it in he his totally first owns year it. of life for sure <laughs> he for totally sure. owns it it goes to his head they added the prince and it goes to his head I swear already already <laughs> I love it well you said in the very beginning you said that you love being mom and I you do. know I want to hear more about that like what do you love most about being a mom well I don't know. It's just like you probably as a mom and all the moms out there know that feeling of just having this tiny little bean that you created and it started off as this tiny itty bitty little thing. And then you brought this life and they look at you with those eyes and they smile at you every morning. And uh, I love waking up to hearing him babbling or kicking me in the side on the occasion because um, he loves to just be a turd but we love it anyways (laughs) but the best feeling in the world is when he calls my name not Mm. my name but mom or mama it's there's no way to describe it there is no better feeling than being a mom yeah it's so true because you go your whole life you you have a mom you call your mom mom and you hear other kids say mom but i think there's nothing quite like it when it's directed at you correct And thinking of that, what would you say, you know, um, obviously every woman's life changes, you know, when you've had a kid and what would you say in your life, what, how has it changed the most or what are some things that come to mind? Well, goodness, so much has changed. I mean, I don't even know where to start because you already know, knowing me personally and how his story began, um, with him being complicated and everything but it really opened my eyes to a lot of different things you know I went from being able to go do stuff more freely like oh you know I'm gonna go drive to the mall or do this well now it's like I I can't do those things I have to go okay well I either have to take him with me or I have to have a babysitter but I wouldn't want it any other way because it's still it's just nice to have somebody that you can talk to even though he can't talk to you back it's just nice (laughs) to have that um i guess you know you have to make a lot of sacrifices and that's something i tell young young women who are like oh i can't wait to be a mom it's like well make sure you're ready to sacrifice everything because that's essentially what becoming a mom is it's like you go from being able to drink and you know go out and party and do all these things well it's like that's not a thing anymore you're you're not able to do that anymore yeah because you have this tiny little life who depends on you and you have to think of them first and I love it it's a sacrifice I was completely ready to do um you know I went from being a (laughs) a couple and then I went from being a pregnant couple because I had his dad around to now I'm a single mom Yeah. And what a transition, especially, you know, for you, but also one that, you know, you weren't necessarily expecting, you know, I I think that there's so much you can 
prep and prepare for, but I know that that was, that's something I don't think anybody can quite prepare for. No, and no one could prepare us for, you know, we were expecting to have this beautiful, healthy baby boy and to hold him in the hospital to everything being turned upside down. I mean, I went from going into labor for 24, almost 48 hours to having an emergency C-section to being told that my baby needed to go to the NICU and that he couldn't eat on his own and he couldn't, you know, move correctly. It was a whirlwind for sure. You know, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because I feel when you're pregnant, you do, you, you, even if you try not to, you, you end up kind of having some sort of expectation and dreams of what you want your child to be. And and I, I remember my husband and I, we, we chose not to um, know the gender. And one part of that was because we, we wanted to try to not plan so much of our child's future, you know, and, uh, and it wasn't always easy. It didn't matter that we didn't know he was a boy, but you know, you, you do, you start to dream. And so this really makes me feel like a perfect time to bridge kind of to that core of, um, what I really want these podcasts to be about is moms talking about, yes, the joys, um, but also the struggles and the, and the biggest challenges that really makes you who you are as a mom. And so, um, if you'd love to share with us more about that, that day, bring us back to that moment of oh, when yes. you found out. I love out. telling his story. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, everybody listening right now, just like get cozy, get ready. Cause it is a true story of triumph, Ugh. but I know it didn't start there. So if no. you'd like, would love to Our- hear about that. Our pregnancy started off great. We were very excited. It was very um, exciting. I mean, the whole family was excited. They hadn't had a baby in the family in, like, I think it was four, almost five years. So we were like, oh, baby fever. Everyone's excited. And, you know, we found out the gender. And uh, because I'm an impatient woman, I could not, like, sit there and wait like you. (laughs) Kudos to you because I couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, when we found out, we we're like, oh, yay, because I love shopping and I, you know, mm. I want things that not necessarily his life, but just like, oh, you know, we're going to do these colors in his room and I would like him to have these things and and so on and so forth. And then, of course, naming a baby. That's mm. that's the most difficult part in the whole thing. I actually we didn't even figure out his name until probably the week before I went into labor. <laughs> But, I totally yeah. get that. From what I hear, that's actually quite normal. So you're you're good, and you chose a great one. <laughs> but um, yeah, labor was, uh, it was insane. So I was in the hospital. Actually, I went in for my checkup, my normal weekly checkup that we did, we were doing because I was 38 weeks, and something was wrong. His heart rate was too high, um, like 215 too high. Wow. And yeah. And so thankfully the hospital was literally like walking distance. So they had us admitted into labor and delivery. And 
We got the ass. Yeah. So I mean, not I, expecting to give birth to. No, wow. Yeah. So I went into my doctor's appointment thinking, yeah, I'll get to hear his heartbeat, see how he's doing, you know, find out if I'm dilated any. Cause you know, as you get closer to that 40 weeks, you're supposed to dilate. Not everyone does. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they're like this, this isn't normal. This is not good. So of course, full blown panic mode. Oh my goodness. You know, calling everybody letting them know um i was in their triage room for i want to say a little over 12 hours so the most uncomfortable bed the tiniest room with four people in it me and three others included so his dad my mom and my um his aunt not my aunt his (laughs) his aunt um my sister-in-law who i'm super close to and yeah they thought we were dehydrated so they pumped us full of fluids and they're like okay you know we're gonna send you home but we're gonna put you down for um an induction for next week at 39 weeks and we're like cool well (sighs) being tired going through all this labor because i was in fact having contractions I was just kind of like loopy like just I'm tired like can I just take a nap you know mm-hmm. I just want to want to like relax then they came in probably no more than like an hour or so later and we're like oh no we're inducing you now we're gonna get you a room be prepared <sighs> was I not prepared at all so after falling asleep in the triage room i don't even know how many times they had to consistently turn me from side to side and that mannerism kept going on even in labor and delivery so in my delivery room and can i ask uh, why why did they did they share did they share why they needed to keep moving you or they just did it his heart rate would drop every time Mm. i Um, so the monitor would go off and they'd have to come in and flip me. And this happened, it got to the point where every five minutes or less, they were flipping me side to side. Now, if you think about it, you're pregnant, (laughs) you're heavy. (laughs) Like you just want to stay in one spot. Stay there. No, they had to come in and literally with the sheets, flip me over and just keep doing that back and forth. They let this go on for hours hours so finally i was like you know what i want the epidural i can't handle this anymore this is too much you guys are driving me crazy um and i will say to all those moms who have never gotten an epidural it's terrifying but it was so worth it to have some of that relief of not worrying about pain and being able to like relax in that whole stressful setting um, I know a lot of moms were like, oh, don't get the epidural. Like my whole family was the same way. They're like, oh, just do it naturally. You got this. You can do it. Not all moms can do it. And I give them kudos who can do it. Cause like you, you didn't have any epidurals either. <laughs> no, that's true. But I, I will also say I, I did not have people rolling me over every five minutes. And that just true. sounds so miserable. And like you what? were able to rest. Oh, it was, but I had this beautiful night nurse. She was wonderful. Mm. Encouraged me to get it because she's like, look, if they decide to do an emergency C-section, they're going to, you have two options. You can get the epidural now where you're awake for everything, or they're going to put you under and you won't even know what's going on. You'll wake up and who knows what would happen. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the other complications. So got the epidural, fast forward a few hours into the next morning. So we went in on Thursday night, stayed overnight on Thursday, got a room on Friday morning, stayed all day Friday and Friday night. And we're fast forwarding to when they broke my water on Saturday morning. So wow. they broke water because they're like, okay, you know, it's it's time to get a move on here. We need to get something going on. They could feel him trying to come into the canal to, mm-hmm. to you know, ready himself. But for whatever reason, he wasn't able to stay in that spot. So what they could do is they could like push his head and he would, I could feel it. He would go from bouncing like up and down. You could feel them bouncing him in my belly. It was the strangest feeling ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's weird to have babies move in your belly already, but to feel someone pushing him and then him bouncing back and forth was even weirder. Um, yeah, so they broke my water. I had um thirty-five ounces of fluid when they broke my water. No. So yeah, some moms might be like, I don't know, is that a lot? Is that little? That is like, a lot. So I found out the most women should ever have is 25. Wow. Yes. So, so I you had, had 10 ounces over. over. Yes. I looked like I was having twins. And that explains a lot because everyone's like, oh my gosh, you have to be like so close. I'm like, no, I'm only like six and a half, you know, seven months. Like I still have a ways to go. And they're like, wow, he's going to be a big baby. No, it was all water. It was insane. So once that happened, once they popped that water, they're like, oh my gosh, we need to get you into the OR. We need to do um, a a C-section. My mommy gut had already told me from the very beginning, they should have done a C-section hours ago. They should have done it like Friday, but for whatever reason they didn't. Now, at at this point, when after all that you've been through already and all of the delays and then them deciding um, about C-section, was there any concern or did they give you any concern that they felt like Caspian may not be okay afterwards? They told me that there were two things that they were concerned about. And I found this out only one of them I found out after he was delivered and one of them I found out through my sister-in-law after everything went through. So I guess apparently they were worried that the placenta was detaching. And if that happens, you could lose me and him or one or the other, depending on the severity of it. So they're like, okay, we need to move things around. Now, if if anyone is familiar and you think about what would cause a baby's heart rate to drop with a contraction every single time, usually it means the umbilical cord is wrapped around the baby's neck and you have a contraction and it tightens everything and therefore it cuts off their supply. So after they delivered him, they did in fact tell me that his umbilical cord supposedly was wrapped not tight but where it was like a choker so every like think of a dog choker chain mm-hmm. so when it contracted it tightened like you were pulling on the chain mm-hmm. right yeah. and then when it released his heart rate would come back up because his oxygen level was coming back 
So first, they should have had the C-section immediately if he was cutting off air supply, period. Because if I had tried to deliver him, God knows what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Especially with having a contraction, because you, you, you know, it's like, hello, <laughs> that's the whole sole point of having a kid. Exactly. Um, then it's so fascinating you're you're awake while they're slicing you open and pulling your baby out and it's the strangest thing because your whole top half of your body is movable but my adrenaline was so high that i i my i was shaking i couldn't control my shaking and they had to actually when they put me on the table to operate and do the c-section um they had to wait my hands down because they were shaking so violently and it was terrifying like I mean you know you have this big sheet in front of you like you can't see anything past that and you just have doctors talking and so on and so forth the biggest thing that bothered me is that they almost forgot to bring in his father into the delivery area when going through the c-section they were gonna let me do this all by myself I'm like, um, excuse me, like, are you going to bring him in here? They're like, oh yeah, go get the father. Thanks. Yeah. Help any of my nerves at all. Well, so we fast forward and we get to, you know, the part where they pull him out. Now, a lot of women are like, you know, they pull him out, they clear him out and you hear this beautiful baby screaming, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh gosh, babies, they're screaming. But that, that first initial cry is that one where you're like, oh, like that's, you know, that's my kid. And oh Mm -hmm. my God, and all of that. My heart dropped. I didn't hear that. It was a very, I couldn't even, I couldn't even mimic how he sounded. It was just so quiet. It was just so, so quiet. And I don't know if you are familiar with that big mommy gut or if you've had incidents where that mommy gut has like led you, mm-hmm. but the minute they pulled him out is the minute where I was like, he needs to go to the NICU. Yeah, like I something's don't not right. Something I don't know what, but something's right. off. Correct. <sighs> My mom showed me the photos they got to take from the window that they allow them to see after he's been pulled out. Mm-hmm. And his leg, which is funny because he's playing with his feet right now, but mm-hmm. his legs, um, he couldn't straighten them. They were like, you know, picture you having like a fetal position and you're on your back and that's how his legs were stuck. They, they couldn't be extended. So... They did the typical, you know, they handed him to me and they let me see him and all of that. And I was happy, but I had such, I remember having such a very serious face on that I think a lot of people wondered if I was even excited to have my own kid. Like, like, is she okay? Like, there's no reaction there. There was no crying. It was just, I just had that dreadful feeling of like, oh my gosh, like, you know, something's not right. Mm-hmm. So for two and a half to three hours they let him stay in the room with me he couldn't nurse he was so swollen he looked like this big old plump peach um who was just put on the table and um yeah they they brought me into my room and you know they had him in the cute little bassinet and everything and then from there it got even more chaotic because 
you know, you, you expect to be put in that room and have family come in and be able to hug on him and love him and all of that. And it, it wasn't that feeling. And it was heart wrenching, like, ugh. And, and being a C-section mom, you can't just get up and go see your baby. You know, it's mm-hmm. not where you're able to do that. Like there, there are apparently learning from it, from going through it. You have to like lay down for a little while. They have to like realign things in your uterus coming in and pushing down on your stomach. It's the most dry. I think it was more painful than having a kid. Like, so I swear I would have rather pushed him out than have them come right. and like literally after having all this stitching and everything yeah. pushing on your stomach. And so in the midst of doing that, they have a um, pediatrician come in and they are examining him and they literally could pick up his arm or his, um, they couldn't really do it with his legs, but both of his arms and the feeling of watching her do this and not be able to be next to him uh, mama bear was like full fledged like it was driving me crazy but she would pick up his arms and just like as high as she could without making him super uncomfortable and just letting them drop now most babies who you you know you pick up their arms they don't drop they have that you know that muscle tone to like stop it and, and so on and so forth well after she examined him um they had the NICU pediatrician come in and her reaction was why did they wait so long that was that was her initial reaction she's like why is he even up here he should have been straight to the NICU the minute he came in for two hours so imagine you know a baby who just came out usually the first thing they do is what do they do they nurse Hi to them. You get that skin to skin, and then you get to nurse them, and they get that claustrum, which is really good. All your supply comes in, and so on and so forth. He didn't get any of that. We had skin to skin, but I was so out of it, also from the from the drugs, because they had to drugs, get morphine yeah. and all of this crap. It was crazy. Oh my gosh, I'll I'll never want to go under a surgery ever again. <laughs> I can imagine. It's kind of like one and done. Yeah, I'm good. It's like, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, but yeah, so dad went down with him to the NICU and they had to, I, I mean, like I have a folder dedicated to Caspian on my phone and they had, he was down there for hours, like, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Casey wasn't answering his phone, you know, and he, because he was paying attention to the baby and um yeah he had to be hooked up to an ng tube which is one where they put through his mouth that goes down into his tummy he had to be put on oxygen they had to put all the little stickies to get his heart rate and then one on his foot to get his pulse it was crazy so imagining being a new mom a first-time mom having this beautiful baby boy and him being practically snatched out of your arms, rushed down to a special unit and being hooked up to all of these wires. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's it's the most, I think, opposite yeah. of what that moment you want to be. What I feel you've already shared is everything in your gut feels like it's supposed to be. 
Right. And yet, and then feeling, I feel so, you probably felt so almost like disempowered. Like what can you do in those moments? Right. Well, and everyone kept asking, are you okay? And it's like, all I wanted to tell them was to shut up. Like, no, I'm not okay. Like, obviously, why would I be? If I'm okay, something's wrong with me. (laughs) Right. Of all times that I can be not okay, it's now. Yeah. So, of course, you have postpartum depression that they look for when you have a baby because it's just something that happens. Well, they're asking me all of these questions. And I'm like, I literally looked at the nurses and I said, look, if you think that I have postpartum depression when I'm dealing with a kid in the NICU, you're, y'all are crazy. Like, I'm not answering these the way that you think I should answer them because my situation is entire. I got very impatient with a lot of people. <laughs> patient yeah. Because all I wanted to do was just stick me in a wheelchair and bring me down to see my kid. Yeah, yeah. And, and what happened once they brought him to the NICU? What did they end up finding out was was wrong? Like, what did they find out he was struggling with? Uh-oh. Kristen? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> now I can hear you. So, I was, yeah, I was basically asking, what did they find out so, um, that he was they didn't, struggling they with? They didn't find out a whole lot. What they found out is that he had trouble latching, clearly. Mm-hmm. So his, um, you know, his latch just wasn't there. He didn't have a suction at all. Um, he had what they call low muscle tone, or as in what we found out eventually is hypotonia. So a lot of people who hear low tone or low muscle tone, they're like, oh, they have like no muscle, like no muscle mass. That's incorrect. So we did some more digging and we asked a lot of people and how they explain it best is that the signals in your brain that signal the muscles to move and to operate are not, they're sending them slower. So they're very, Mm. Mm -hmm. so like, you know, me picking up my hand for him, it's like his brain would send it and it would be like seconds or minutes or whatever. And then he would do it kind of thing or it just wasn't there. Then they did find out that if anyone had tried to straighten his legs, he would have had to have surgery because they would have damaged all of his um, tendons. So- Oh, like bending him past what he was ready ready. for, kind of? Correct. So if they had just tried to force them straight, it it would have done so much more damage. So three days he was in the NICU at the hospital that I delivered at. And they did abundance of blood work. They did, you know, scans. They did uh, ultrasounds. Everything that they could think of at that NICU. Well, then they decided that he wasn't able to get the answers that they knew he needed at this NICU. So they were only, you have a level one, two, and a three NICU. So a level one and two are for like, like if they have a preemie who doesn't have a lot of um, health issues or concerns, but just needs a little bit of like help, they can handle Mm -hmm. But he was considered he needed a level three. So a level is where they can take 
we found out they can actually take in um, 24 weekers, meaning if a mom delivers a baby at 24 weeks, they take it and keep that baby um, on support alive yeah continue growing outside of the womb which is insane like it's crazy they were describing how tiny these babies are and to think like if you think about it that that little thing is still alive and it's just so awesome that they have the technology and the medical to do that so again i had to watch my baby you know be packed up so they called the NICU the the Orlando NICU their sister location to have him transferred so three days in one NICU and a transfer to a new one it was emotional it was insane to watch them pack up your little boy in this crazy box like like think of a crib but smaller and yeah. You know, have, gosh, almost like a casket. Yes, it's terrifying, mm. terrifying, and you can't ride with him because they have to have space, you know, in in the ambulance to take him. So, this is where things. Well, and it, go ahead. And so, yeah, I was just going to mention that this is also, you know, a time when so many parents are getting ready to leave to go home. Right. You know, and that was, I'm sure, your expectation. Mm -hmm. They had waited medically for my C-section in order to transfer him so that I could follow. Yeah. It was insane. And then, yes, tell us uh, what happened next once he got to the other hospital. Oh, it got crazy. This is where my eyes began to open with his dad, as you know, and how I became a single mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, there is a lot. The story is a very big story. There is so much to tell. So he was at this NICU for 47 days. So imagine having your baby boy as a newborn in a hospital hooked up to all these monitors, having needles, having his poor little heels pricked, all of it, all the time, nonstop for over 30 days, for almost almost 50 days. It was insane. Um, I, if I had not been with his father at the time, I would have never left the hospital. That is where I would have lived. That is where I would have showered. That is where I would have eaten every day. All of it. Because that was where I wanted to be. That was not the... uh, Unfortunately, that was not the option I had because his dad was very controlling and he wanted him to be... He still wanted to focus on him while also still kind of focusing on the baby. But... um. Yeah, I was up there every day, regardless. I was very grateful that my job had me, um, my position was still saved, but I was able to have 12 weeks plus an additional six weeks off um, in order to be with him. Um, I had a very good, uh, stable, you know, job to come to, but my main focus was on this, this little boy. It was crazy. We had to argue with doctors. We had to do a lot of digging. We had a geneticist. We had a, oh goodness, let's see, a pediatrician, a geneticist, a neurologist, and eventually we had a, uh, oh, what's the one I'm thinking of? I can't even think about it. The one for his G-tube. 
Yes. So, of course, in in all of this, you you have to go back to a lot of moms want to supply with breast milk. They don't like the formula. So imagine having all of the stress and being a new mom and trying to pump in midst of everything. So literally, you have to make the choice of being okay with everybody seeing you pump or just not pumping at all. So I chose to just be okay with it. My supply was great. I was so proud of myself. I was like, yes, (laughs) finally something I can be like, you know, feeling good about. Like I got this and everything. But as the stress went on, my supply started to tame. But either way, fed is best. I know a lot of moms are like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, breast is best. No, fed is best. Not every mom can supply for a baby. <laughs> yes, I hear you. I was one of them. And uh, I had to like die to that hole or like surrendering yes, that in and like, of itself. But yeah, you don't know what your baby's going to take. Exactly. It's like, oh, it's so heart wrenching. Speaking of heartbreaking, I have to break it to you all that where Kristen's story is far from over, it is as far as this podcast goes because this is officially part one. I know many of you mamas will get it ironically right at the end of this podcast. Kristen's son's therapist showed up at the door and we had to pause for a moment. So I thought it was a perfect opportunity to make this a part one. Part two will be coming up right away next. You can find that on Moms Matters podcast. While I still have you, just wanted to encourage you to go ahead, make sure you subscribe. And if you've already connected with Kristen's podcast, please go ahead and look on our show notes page and go ahead and find her and connect with her further on social media. Once again, I'm just so thankful that you guys are here following along. And I want to remind you that you are a mom and that you matter. Thank you.